Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Melvin, and we're halfway there. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, I'm joined by Brad Bates of the Angry Christian Podcast, and the two of us will be discussing Kenneth Branagh's Thor. As I've become more engaged in Christian podcasting communities, I've come to enjoy finding new podcasts that really speak to me, and the Angry Christian Podcast is one such show that keeps my interest. While one might think the Angry Christian Podcast is nothing more than some bent-out-of-shape Christians complaining about life's inconveniences, it's the exact opposite. It's Christians fighting for the fruit of the Spirit amidst angering and difficult times. And because of their willingness to talk culturally difficult topics, I knew inviting Brad Bates on the Cinematic Doctrine podcast was a no-brainer. First, Brad and I share our somewhat confused thoughts on the tone of Thor, as it balances between science fantasy epic and fish-out-of-water romance. Then we deconstruct Thor's character arc from arrogant prince of Asgard to somewhat less arrogant prince of Asgard. And finally, we close out our thoughts on the difficult question of birthright, and whether our past ultimately defines our future and what that means for us as Christians. Now, as per the usual, for those who don't know a single thing about the movie Thor, or simply need a refresher, here's what Thor is all about. Chris Hemsworth plays the titular Thor, a warrior prince of Asgard, an heir to the throne. His aspirations for leadership are almost fulfilled until a fateful encounter with enemy ice giants lead to galactic conflict. Cast from Asgard and stripped of his power, Thor is tasked with overcoming his pride and working together with his newfound human companions to prevent the oncoming war. Thor is rated PG-13 for sequences of intense sci-fi action and violence. The intense sci-fi action and violence is due to some sequences in the beginning that show massive thousand-people wars for a few minutes. Another medieval and magic-style battle later on, a semi-tactical espionage-like sequence, and some action at the end of the film. It's relatively non-graphic, although one sequence in the beginning is somewhat shocking as a character is caught off guard. Also, there's a few scenes of topless men that some may consider questionable. Now before we head into our Thor discussion, I wanted to share real quick that if you've come to enjoy Cinematic Doctrine, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down. So the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. Apart from that, Cinematic Doctrine also has a Patreon. For those who don't know, Patreon is a website for independent content creators to raise support for their work. By creating an account on Patreon, you can select a content creator you like and support them with a monthly donation. If you enjoy Cinematic Doctrine and would like to support the show, consider donating, as it helps cover the cost of producing the podcast. And, as a bonus, if you support Cinematic Doctrine for as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. You also gain access to the Sindoc Pre-Show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check them out at patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine. And don't forget to check out Brad Bates' show, The Angry Christian Podcast where you too can join the fight to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, as Brad and his crew deconstruct some difficult cultural questions and wrestle with their anger to grow as Christians 
You can find their show wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, here's our thoughts on Thor. Brad Bates, the angriest Christian in the whole world. How's it going? Uh, hopefully I'm not the angriest Christian in the whole world. That's the, Hopefully I'm reversing that, but it's going well, as well as could be expected. That's so good to hear. I mean, right now there's a lot of like just crazy stuff going on, and we can't use the word or else SEO and, and algorithms are going to completely stop <laughs> us from ever getting this podcast out. But things are crazy, so it's really good to hear that you're doing well. Yeah, healthy. Everybody's doing great. I've still got a job, still got a house. So, you know, I feel like I'm blessed and, and not really much to complain about other than I'm an extrovert, and so not being around people in person kind of sucks right now. So, yeah, it's not easy, but thank goodness for Disney Plus and being able to watch <laughs> Thor, right? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I've watched that with my <laughs> wife and my kids, and it's a great way to spend a Friday night. Yeah, there you go. So, you're coming on over here from the Angry Christian Podcast. So, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so the Angry Christian Podcast is something that we uh, started last summer around September, kind of birthed out of a place mostly from a place inside of me where I had gotten to a place where I realized that I was a bit of an angry Christian and I wanted to address that. And I wanted to address it in some kind of way that challenged people and kind of kept myself accountable. And why not start a podcast? Isn't that how you do it? <laughs> That's like the perfect thing for like a white man to do is I'm going to start my podcast. Exactly. Because <laughs> I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> so many jokes about that. Yeah. We actually come from it from the angle of I know it says angry Christian, but the, the, the angle really is for compassion and just learning to be more loving Christians. So, yeah. And I love that because I think um, there's like two things kind of going on. I feel like, and maybe somebody else who does just social studies of some kind can correct me, but you almost see like in Christian circles right now is there's nominal Christianity, which is un unfortunate and sad. And, and we pray that grows into true Christianity. And then there's this sort of like cage stagey Christianity where it's like you just kind of get mad about all of these things that are going on in the world or even just mad about like your past experiences. I know in my own life, there's like right. just past traumas that you're just like stuck with and you're like, Lord, why did why did that have to happen? Yeah. And learning to reconcile that helps you go from like angry to at peace and have joy. And sometimes that's still really hard. Like it's not sin to be angry right. or sure. uncomfortable. Exactly. But it's like there are ways to be there are ways in which those expressions can be sinful. And so I've really enjoyed how like you guys will just like like we were just talking about this, how you dove into just divorce. Yeah. And like the discussion and experience of divorce and how it's affected your life and listening to you unpack that and like your experience and your willingness to grow in that is really great, which I mean, that's such a good risk to take. And I just really appreciate that. Hey, no problem. And just to clarify, it's not my divorce that we discussed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very. Yes. <laughs> it, uh, no, my wife and I both come from a background of our parents having been divorced. And so. It's one of those situations where, you know, it impacts your whole life and in ways that people who may not have experienced it don't really realize. You know, you think about the fact that Christianity and our Savior in Christ came to solve everything. Yeah, he reconciles our relationship to God because we've sinned against him and we need him to save us from himself, basically. Yeah. But that's that solution in Christ permeates into the rest of our life and helps us to reconcile against crazy things. And unless we start talking about them, people are going to be like, God is good, but what about environmentalism? Mm -hmm. And God is good, but what about sexual assault cases? Yep. And actually, Christ will step into those places too. So yeah, I, I love your podcast. I Appreciate love having that. you on here too. And I really hope that everybody listening right now is able to head on over. There's going to be a link in the show notes. But uh, you know, we're here to talk about Thor, yeah. of all things. Yeah. And uh I don't know. What, what did this, for me personally, this was a, the first time I've watched Thor probably since the first time I watched it, which was <laughs> several years ago, yeah. I think in prep for when the Avengers was in theaters. But how about you? Was this like your first time coming back to it? or I think it's maybe the second time I've seen it. You know, I saw it back. I, uh, I didn't see it in the theaters, but I do recall seeing it pretty soon after it came out. And I know this is like a nine-year-old movie, which I was like amazed. I, could, I was like, really? It's that old? 
but yeah, uh, probably been at least eight years. <laughs> I think I feel like going back into phase one, it's almost like a decade old experience. I've been having that throughout this entire series. Like yeah. Iron Man was a blast from the past. The Incredible Hulk I had never seen and I wish I just never saw. And then <laughs> Which one are we talking about? I'm just kidding. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, right. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, I imagine I would enjoy Ang Lee's vision much more than I did with pretty much what Edward Norton's is. But yeah. my goodness. Yeah. And then like Iron Man 2 was, I had always like, I had remembered seeing it and kind of being disappointed in it, but then like rewatching it, I had a lot more fun, which was strange because it's yeah. kind of known for like, like as a black sheep for the, for phase one. Yeah. And then like, yeah, going into Thor was just like, it was just like alien. It it was so strange. Pun intended. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like what did so, okay, first time coming back into it eight years since and like, what do you think about Thor? You know, I'll be honest, uh, when I was watching it this time, and maybe it's just because it's been so long that I haven't seen it, I noticed some things in the movie that I didn't pick up on before. And maybe it's because I wasn't a huge Marvel fan before all these movies came out. You know, I I had comics as a kid, but I, I wasn't all caught up on the whole various story arcs that exist throughout the the comics and so a lot of the characters outside of the main superheroes were kind of foreign to me but like watching this it was interesting to see because you know i've seen pretty much all the avengers and all of the side story movies up to this point and seeing some of the characters that are in the the newer movies being introduced in these older movies and so i was kind of like oh hey that guy (laughs) You know, I thought it was one of those movies, though, that I could have probably done without a lot of the middle part and just had the beginning and the end. Yeah. And that would have probably been uh, better in the long run. The middle part seemed a little disjointed. It seemed a little, I don't know, it seemed like they were trying to turn it into a romance, but there was not a whole lot of romance story line. It's just like one day Thor's got a girlfriend, you know, and (laughs) boom, (laughs) that's the dream right (laughs) one day i was single and then the next i had a girlfriend (laughs) i wish it was that easy it was not that easy when i was younger you know of course i didn't look like that when i was younger either so it's just that hair man if you got hair like that you're good (laughs) (laughs) although i will say i struggled with his hair in this movie i i felt like it looked too wiggish and maybe it was just how it framed around his face i felt like the hairline seemed unnatural <laughs> to me I, I kept and i felt like his facial hair was like on the borderline of being like an irishman or a scottish guy and i'm that's awesome and i was just struggling to get past that and you know because you see what he looks like off stage and his beard isn't that color and maybe it was just struggling with that i don't know yeah and even nowadays he just has it short i mean by yeah. the time thor ragnarok comes along he just buzzes it so it's like whatever which i actually even like that better <laughs> yeah i yeah the thor ragnarok definitely fixes a lot of the problems yeah that we pretty much see throughout the even even thor the dark world which god help us when we get there <laughs> it was interesting because i feel like there's a lot of things that i thought were interesting with thor and then, like, they kind of don't go all the way. Yeah. Like, I think the beginning and the end stuff, so really just talking, like, the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes, they feel like a different movie, like you were describing. Like, the middle is very romancy, but there's not much romance. And both are good actors. There's just no chemistry. Right. It's not like anybody who's been listening to this entire Sindok MCU thing, back when the Incredible <laughs> Hulk episode, we talked about how... There's not really much going on for the actors. And then also there's not much chemistry in this one. They're both fine actors. Natalie Portman's doing a great job being like infatuated and falling in love with this character. Yeah. But like, they just are kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Nobody's really like the most interaction they have is Natalie Portman hits Chris Hemsworth with her, with her car twice. Right. But then after that, there's like, they're, they're not really hitting on each other. Hey, hey, another pun. You're on a roll. I know it. Oh, <laughs> Catherine, my wife is so good at puns. She'd be so proud of me. Dad jokes about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could you imagine like my powers of puns will be so much better once I'm a dad? Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be like a huge embarrassment. It's oh, gonna yeah. Be great. I've got four kids and they hate it. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, man. They're, they're going to be just like that when they're older. <laughs> I hope so. It's going to be so good. Oh, man. But yeah, it's just like the middle bit is so it's like a, just a different movie. Yeah, it really is. 
the movie introduces with irritatingly annoying Dutch angles. So you have to tilt your head, but then the next angle is tilted the other way. So now you have to turn your head again. And at some point you're just getting dizzy. And then it transports back into Asgard and you start getting this grand expository scene of big fights and like how Asgard controls everything. And you're almost like, okay, if this is exposition, I'm in it. I'm ready to get like this big epic fight and this big war and all these crazy things. And then like you get back to earth and, They've talked about Asgard's going to be in a war now, but you're not getting any like, like there's no war scenes or espionage after that. Yeah. It's just kind of in a desert town, which like I appreciate that creativity, but they, it's two, I think, really interesting ideas, like a big epic space war in the MCU universe, and then also like a small town, whatever, but it just never comes to fruition. They're just, they don't work together yeah and the the small town thing too kind of bothered me because there's no real uh, there's no real uh backstory as to why they're even there like it's like why are you in this little town to begin with you know if you're if you're picking up at the thor movie and you've never watched any of the other movies you'd be kind of like i don't understand why they're in this little town are they storm chasers what are they doing you know there's no real development of their purpose there to begin with you know, it, it opens with them in the vehicle, right? And they're all chasing after this anomaly. So I, I just, I felt like that part felt disconnected from a lot of it as well. And then just talking about the town, the town has like less of a setting than the town does in Cars. Like when Lightning McQueen shows up at that little town on Route 66 in Cars, it at least kind of makes sense that this little <laughs> town is there. But then, like, right. we're here in Thor, and it's just, like you said, like, they're just sort of there. Are they storm chasers? I'm not really sure. Why do they have all this lab equipment in the middle? How are they getting this internet connection that they must need? And it's <laughs> yeah. just it's the really, like, it's it's just alien. And I, I, I appreciate a film that has very alien qualities, both in the, the idea of, like, a so bad it's good movie like The Room, or even in, like, a really creative film that just wants to be a statement on a particular thing. Or just be fun. But like, I don't know, like this movie wasn't really that fun and my wife fell asleep. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. not only is it ever coming to fruition, there's not even really an uphill in my opinion. Like at least when I'm going uphill, it's kind of cool to look around and see the new perspective. It's not as exciting as going downhill, like on a roller coaster, but at least that's kind of cool. But then this movie is sort of just like a stable line, which is about as stable i mean that's about as much as you can describe even natalie portman and and chris hemsworth relationship in this movie i mean it's just a stable line that (laughs) one day i'm single yeah the next i'm dating (laughs) so it's really strange yeah that was so weird it was like a very short dating period you know yeah i think i think like the only thing that to me felt the most realized was probably what most people are irritated with with thor is the the stuff with shield i felt like everything with shield and everything it's preparing for the next few movies was perhaps the only thing in this movie that felt the most interesting and engaging and thinking about this in regards to like when this movie first came out yeah again i didn't watch this when it came out in theaters but just what it was building you get your first scene with jeremy renner showing up yeah and he doesn't really even do much but like he's there and that's cool but like what you're getting is some really cool groundwork to get you excited for the next movie also i believe this is the movie with the first in like we see the first infinity stone and it's only in the cutaway at the end of the movie right i can't remember i'm trying to remember too i don't and I watched it last night just so it was fresh in my brain. <laughs> well, doesn't that just show like that this movie like it was unmemorable. You watch it and it's just it's gone. Like I I remember watching it again and I just remember the big set pieces, but nothing else about this movie. Yeah, which really is disappointing in a lot of ways because I'm a I'm a huge fan of Kenneth Branagh. And I love his Shakespeare stuff. But I don't know, man. I don't know what he was going for in this particular angle. It's it's an interesting thing though because or interesting choice uh because historically he's not an action movie guy. Like when when you look at the movies he's directed or even acted in, generally speaking, he's not action movie guy. He's romance, he's Shakespeare, he's mystery, things like that. But so I just felt like it was kind of out of his element to some degree. Maybe he was trying to experiment. I don't know. But 
it's not in his normal line of what he typically produces genre speakingly. Well, even thinking like just by the way you described it, the fact that he's done romance and, and medieval and, 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 and mystery. I I'm very curious if the implementation of the shield stuff and the preparation for Avengers and all that kind of bogged down probably what he was doing. I know that Iron Man two suffered a lot of that, mm. that the original plan for Iron Man two was heavily fixed to be pushing for Avengers. And a lot of people you can see, uh, I mean, this isn't as popular now just because it's <laughs> such an old movie, but you would get the classic, give us the Favreau cut and stuff. But yeah. And so I'm curious if like the romance in this film perhaps would have been more compelling or interesting if maybe Kenneth Branagh was permitted to, 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 to nix the shield stuff and just stick mm. to characters, maybe confessing things to each other, sharing their difficulties. Cause like the only thing that really happens is like Natalie Portman is like, they took all of our stuff and I don't have my little black book anymore. And that makes me sad. Yeah. And then like Thor, I don't even think, I don't even think Thor hears her say that the black book was hers, like the little notebook. So like when he steals it back from shield, my first thought was like, who told him that she needed that? But you know, plot needs to move forward. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Cause I thought it was really strange that he decided of all the things to grab. That was the thing he would grab. Yeah. The, like the little personal thing with her little doodles and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I guess if you need the story to advance and you need him to explain the nine realms, then that's the one you got to get. <laughs> got to do it. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of plot conveniences. I feel like with this movie that, um, I mean, it's fine. I think like it's weird because some of the drama too, like are, they're all conveniences, but they're, f it's so hard to explain now that I'm like trying to get it out. And this happens every time I write notes. If I don't write <laughs> notes, I usually do fine. But there's something weird about like the way that he just portrays everything. Like, I don't know. Did you find it a little strange that the, the male drama was largely just if I'm emotional, I just yell? There, It did seem to kind of ride on the stereotypical male blusteriness, right? Even between and, and what was I guess more even frustrating about it is is it's happening between brothers and fathers, right? Yeah, there was very little middle ground where you see a, a true father son relationship. I mean, on occasion you saw it, like when when Loki's um, talking to Odin by himself in the the room with all the relics, and you know he's kind of pouring his heart out, like why didn't you tell me, right? And you can see a little bit of a softness between Odin there, but that's like one of the very few, and maybe they're trying to do that on purpose because of the whole Viking thing and everybody yeah. in Viking legend apparently yells at each other. So I don't know. <laughs> don't you know that men, when they're angry, all they do is yell. It's true. That's why I'm the angry Christian. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's perfect. You know, when we were, when we were prepping to do this and I was like trying to pick out a movie to like propose to you to watch, I picked Thor, but then like I was thinking like with what your podcast covers, I was like, maybe we should have done Iron Man 2 or even the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yeah. But then it was just like, well, too late now, I guess. Eh. <laughs> but hey, I mean, I, once they started yelling at each other, I was like, there it is. That's the linchpin. Yeah. We got it. We got our topic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting how like a, a lot of the scenes I was uh, one of the one of the things I really don't like is when people are just the director tells them to start whispering, even though they have no reason to whisper. And so like you have this angry yelling stuff. And then at the very end of the movie, there's two characters that are fighting each other. And one of them is like, is like yell whispering. They're like talking low, but then trying to be, it's like when you fake scream with a friend and you're like fake yelling with a friend. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, da, 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 and like that not actually yelling. And I'm like, why are they like, he just looks foolish right now. Like <laughs> you're, you're embarrassing your actors. Stop telling them to just whisper and yell at the same time. Tell them to yell. No one else is here. They, they, you're on a set. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. They meant to cut it out. They just forgot about that part. It would be great if they just dubbed yeah. over it. And it just is like, like a, like a spaghetti western Ooh. just yelling but it doesn't look like it at William all. Shatner going on that would be that would have <laughs> been great so what do you think about how so for instance Tony Stark's character arc and even across all three of his movies is very much about his arrogance mm -hmm. about redeeming his arrogance and and redeeming his legacy and how like all of those three things conjoined are, are 
in conflict and, and also sort of symbiotic of each other, whatever that means. And that's just like typical uh, film critic jargon. You just use big words to sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, and then in Thor, what we really have is this is a, a very different kind of arrogance. It's almost like a pride of I deserve to be king. Like the beginning of this film is he's about to be made king. And then right before Anthony Hopkins, who's Odin, says like, Thor, you're going to be king. Like something happens at Asgard. They're mm. getting invaded or by like spies and stuff. And they stop. And so now Thor, who is just about to become king and ruler over Asgard, is still just a prince, is still just a son, is still kind of just a nobody. And this like this is what really stirs up his arrogance and stirs up his power and stirs up this deservedness. Like, you know, like I deserve that and the fact that it's been stripped from me, I'm now angry. What what do you think about that as as a character arc as as a man even? Like what do you think about like feeling deservedness is not a word i'm trying to find yeah no there's another word that i entitlement yeah what what do you think about thor's entitlement what do you think about even just as a man the idea of entitlement yeah i I, you know i definitely saw the you know the theme of entitlement there you know there was no question in his mind who was going to be king right He, he was supposed to be that he was owed that not because necessarily of great things that he's done but because He's the son of Odin, right? Who, whose, whose father is trying to teach him how to become a good king, and it hasn't made any bones about who's probably going to be king, right? There's definitely an arrogance that stems from that. The problem that I see um, in this particular arc is, right? You know, he's he's arrogant, he's entitled, he's rash, he's um, he just makes spur of the moment decisions and doesn't think through anything. Like apparently a typical male does or something, um, and <laughs> at least me. I don't know. Maybe if you talk to my wife, she'd probably say that was definitely me. We've made jokes on this podcast before that like we're just passively a man hating podcast, which is not true, listener. <laughs> if you're listening, we don't. We're just pretty much everybody that's been on the podcast is a man, and we just are self deprecating. Yeah, we're exactly. Man hating, but exactly, <laughs> it's just very funny though. Exactly, you know. And, but as a result of his non well thought out decisions you know his father casts him to earth to basically be exiled takes away his power and the turning point this is this is where i struggle the turning point for him from his arrogance to not being arrogant is not being able to pick up his hammer and i'm like that is that's what the pro- i mean that's what changes him i mean and you might could argue his 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 involvement with natalie portman's character but really, you see his countenance change when he's trying to grab the hammer. And that's, and I don't know if it's the realization that he's powerless or that he's just realizing that everything about him has been taken and he's just a human now, basically. But it just seems kind of a weird moment. It's, you know, you're looking at it kind of a uh, King Arthur and the sword in the stone moment here. And. They have even the music's building up at that point. Like, you know, they're building like, oh, this is going to be it. And then air goes out of the balloon and he sinks to his knees and has this epiphany. And then he just gives in. Right. He just gives up. And that's that. Yeah. Like people just show up from shield and they just grab him, And that's kind of the end of the scene. And yeah. And yeah, it, it is interesting that like he. He I would say like that's like you're saying is like the beginning of his transition from this entitlement to i guess needing other people is supposed to be what his i think yeah his arc is but like the film is pretty it's not even vague in like an artistic sense it's just vague in a like it's not really clear yeah yeah (laughs) it's uh and it's and it's it's just a little irritating but like that idea of he himself sees what he's done that he can he's done so much there's a scene early on when he's like building up uh, i think it's lady sif and her warriors and saying like who is it that's brought you to glory who is it that's brought you here and how how can you not trust me if you know that i've been the one to do all these things mm-hmm. and i assume that like the artistic thing being expressed here is that like when he finally when thor himself finally approaches something that represents everything he's done like the hammer is the power that he's been able to use like whoever wields the mjolnir has the power of thor right 
and when he can't pick it up, it's almost representative of like, you've hit your dead end. Like you can't do anything now. Yeah. And so that's probably, I guess, what's trying to be expressed. And then in regards to like, I guess, entitlement in one's life mm -hmm. is when you reach a dead stop where it's like, you actually can't, you can't move beyond this point on your own volition. Yeah. I get, it's, it's very interesting. And there are things like that that's happened, like just growing up. <laughs> yeah uh you get you reach points in your life where like i i can't do this anymore i can't apply to this job because i didn't go back and finish school or i can't run this marathon anymore because i had pneumonia at one year and it was so bad that now my lungs are bad and like if those are things like being physically fit is like your identity or education or your workplace is your identity and you're now reaching these points where like culture society the world or whatever are just saying i you can't you can't do this right like that that can be like a real identity shaking shattering experience yeah. agreed you know i could i think they could have done a little more of the wrestling and the maybe building up more of his dependence on people or others in general um because really there's not a whole lot of space between him trying to grab the hammer and then his friends from back at Asgard showing up. Yeah. Like there's not a whole lot of time that passes. So there's not really a development of that side of him, of him coming to terms with the fact that he's powerless. Like it's just like the, the only time you really hear him even address that is when the gigantic robot thing is coming towards them. And he says, you know, I'm just a mortal man, you know. And then even after that. Like he's still just the one who beats it anyway. So <laughs> right. he didn't really, because none, nobody else could do anything. So it right. really is like all the film really confirms is in the beginning, arrogant Thor was right. right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It really is the only person that could do all this stuff. That's right. Yeah. It's really strange. It came full circle. <laughs> so, so Thor, Thor learned nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and neither did we. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just learned uh, what we already knew is that Thor is, uh, is powerful. One of the most, if not the most powerful Avenger. That's that's it. That's, that's right. all we've learned. Yep. <laughs> and it stops there. <laughs> Thankfully, it doesn't have to end there. Yeah. If, wouldn't it be just a, such a shame if that was the last MCU movie? Like, uh, that's your big bang. <laughs> it's a tiny little fight, and they, uh, you know, like a like Route sixty six. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. Welcome, that's guys. Great. You're at the dead end. <laughs> well that's the end of our thor podcast yeah <laughs> nothing left to talk about let's just go home. but i do think that despite the plot holes and the seemingly slow middle uh, of the movie that there are some parallels uh, that i think about when it comes to you know i can see some parallels between thor and you know various characters of the Bible, and one that specifically comes to mind, and I think it holds true at least in the regard of not really coming to terms with arrogant Thor, right? Uh, is Samson from the Old Testament? If nobody's familiar, that's the dude who had the long hair, and God gave him the power um, to fight the Philistines, and then his his wife Delilah had his hair cut, and he lost his power, right? And then at the very end of his life, he gets his power back as his hair had grown, grown out a little bit and God granted it to him. And he was able to destroy the Philistines with one last act of power. Samson, a lot like Thor here, never really wrestles with the fact that he's an arrogant jerk. He's never really addressed with it. He loses his hair. The, the most humbling moment for Samson is, you know, him standing in the temple with his eyes gouged out. And real about the only realization he has is, he he's powerless at that moment. But that's kind of where Thor was at in this movie as well. He was that arrogant, powerful guy, always kind of doing his own thing. You know, he, he knew more. He knew better than his father, right? And was going to do what he was going to do. And then he loses it, all of his power. His His power was his hammer. You know, Samson's power was his hair. And, you know, both of them lose it. Both of them never really come to terms with their arrogance. There just seems to be this moment of, I guess, humbling when you realize that you're powerless. And, you know, there's a resurrection moment for Thor, right, where he's laying on the ground after he just got backhanded by the robot. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he, you, you can't tell if he dies or passes out. You don't know what just happened. He just kind of, like, stops moving. He's just really tired. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then out of nowhere, the hammer just shows up and he reaches up and grabs it, right? And then he just smash. He's Hulk smashing everything all of a sudden. And but that's kind of what you see with Samson as well is that that moment where he's just he's kind of defeated, right? And then there's that one last jolt of power where he's able to defeat the Philistine enemy. And and I really saw those those two characters, Thor and Samson, as as kind of kindred spirits in a way. Yeah, and even even as we were just discussing that the. the even as we were just discussing, oh my goodness, discussing. <laughs> even as we were discussing, there you go. Uh, how Thor doesn't really even learn anything in the end. Like even with Samson, like his declaration at the end is like, "Give me this power back so I can get revenge on the Philistines." Exactly, and it's like re- his revenge for his own, for the things that they've done to him, as opposed to like the Lord building him up for the Lord's thing, or even thinking about what you were discussing about how Thor gets his power back. He gets the hammer back, yeah. but it's like, it was his dad, Odin, who's just like, I'm going to restrict this power. I'm taking it away from you. In a way it's only through Odin that he gets the power back to begin with, right. because it has to, Thor has to meet the conditions that Odin whispers into the hammer, which all that fantasy fantasy stuff, like, Give me more of that. <laughs> Just give me so much more of that. Why do we have to do the dumb romance stuff? But yeah, my goodness, I love a good romance, but Thor, a romance, a good romance does not make like, it's just like, no, it doesn't work. And then I think what I think, um, vaguely remembering Thor, the dark world, I think they double down on the romance and it's like, yes, man, I'm not excited to watch that. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting thinking about like how it's, I mean, it's that, age old line like absolute power corrupts absolutely like these are people that are so strong so powerful they're born into families that or they're born for a purpose in Mm -hmm. the case of thor he's born like he's the first born he's going to be king as long as he's still around yeah and then samson is born to be a judge slay the philistines he's the judge he's going to rule and he just is like i'm so powerful I can do whatever I want and basically breaks all of, all of the law. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like, Oh my goodness, this guy, like uh, anybody listening will remember this from, from the Samson episode that my wife and I did, but it's just like, this guy was a total scumbag. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Thor isn't near as nearly as much of a scumbag. No. But, I mean, Thor does start a war, but Meh, you know, small things. <laughs> yeah comparatively speaking yeah i mean in the grand scheme of the universe like two na- two planets at war doesn't yeah. really equate to the nine realms so no, no, no. it's all right it was it's isolated <laughs> isolated see what i did because there they're like ice elf things yeah third puns the charm yeah. baby we're nailing them out of the ballpark Boom. that's great no nailing them with thor's hammer Ooh. There you go. Or a donkey's jawbone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Donkey's. That's perfect. I love <laughs> it. So what do you think about? So one of the big things in this film, too, though, is about like birthright and mm. like Thor's, of course, his birthright is hoping that like, you know, I'm going to be king. And then yeah. we're, we're always spoiler light with the podcast, but I think this would be the, the most spoiler we get into it. But of course, if you've been watching the MCU, you know what this one particular character's general fate is. We're going to talk, talk about Loki and this idea yeah. of like in Loki's big struggle, which we talked about earlier, is like his he's like, Dad, why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. And the idea is that he was one of the ice trolls or ice goblins or whatever they're called. I can't remember. Ice giants. Ice giants. That's right. It was uh, their perspectives always seem to change. Did you notice that in the movie? It looked like they were always taller. And yeah. then other times they look shorter. And then like there's Loki who. Yep. Uh, I don't know. They've got like some kind of a height limiter on him or something going on. Yeah, because Tom Hiddleston, I think, is tall. I think <laughs> I can't remember. It's just he's skinny. He's so it makes him look taller. But I think he must be half ice giant because he, he never <laughs> yes. gets to the size of the guys that he's supposedly a part of their race. But right. And yeah, that's the thing is like after the first war that Asgard had with the ice giants, Odin takes one of the babies from the ice giants and raises it as his own. And his hope of course, is that by showing that we can, we can assume from the exposition that they tell us, cause it's a little confusing, yeah. but that he wanted to raise this ice giant baby to show like we could have peace amongst the nations, mm-hmm. but he does, he never tells Loki this, which is like, you don't wait that long to tell somebody they're <laughs> adopted. Yeah. <laughs> cause we're talking centuries at this point. 
Yes, the, Loki's got to be like really old. I mean, they have that. They show a scene where a character is looking through an old book, and it has the old stories of like myths, and like Loki's there. So yeah. obviously, he's way past the date that you're supposed to say. By the way, you're adopted. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't mean to wait four hundred years, but uh, surprise must have slipped my mind. <laughs> you're actually a Smurf. Yeah, pretty much. And and then the big there's this big argument where Loki's like, why didn't you ever tell me like I'm not who you I've always thought I am. Mm. And and you've never told me because it was you were afraid of it. You didn't tell me because you knew that if I were to ascend to the throne, no one would no one would be comfortable with an ice giant being in power. Yeah. Um, all very interesting stuff. And it, it made me think a lot about like these two characters are focusing so much on birthright and what they believe. And again, entitlement. And yeah, what what do you think about birthright? The idea of like your history, does it affect both birthright and entitlement, but also what your history tells you about yourself? Yeah. Like, do you believe that we're all limited by those two things that like I'm limited by my birthright and what I believe I'm entitled to and kind of thing? Yeah, it's an it's an interesting um interesting thought cuz you know when you think about birthright, you think about you know stories that come to mind are Jacob and Esau, right? The whole birthright thing. Oh yeah. You know, and you kind of see that with the Thor and Loki, right? Even though they're not blood brothers like Jacob and Esau, they're not twins. There is that struggle, right? Loki's a lot like Jacob who's trying to steal the birthright that is Thor's. And same way with Jacob trying to steal what is Esau's. What's interesting and what kind of throws an interesting little twist into this is the adoption aspect of Loki. So he isn't a blood-bought, if you will, blood-birthed child. So technically, in the terms of birthright, he has no birthright to Asgard. We, as Christians, those who believe, uh, like you and I would believe, we believe that we've been adopted right into the family of God. Jesus is the son of God. He He's the only one that has the birthright to the throne, <laughs> um, truly. But we have been adopted in that sense uh, that we've been brought into the family as though we have always been a part of the family. Now, granted, we're not sitting on the throne and never will, but you know, we don't, we can't really claim that birthright because we were adopted to it, yet we're referred to as joint heirs with Jesus. And I think that was a struggle. And when you kind of take it back to the Thor movie with Thor and Loki is that Loki could never wrap his mind around the fact that uh, Odin had raised him as his own. He, and, and part of why Odin had done that was because he never wanted him to feel like he was not his own. Right. Yeah. And, and so he he does that. He raises him as his own. He never treats him any differently. He 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 gives him a place at no higher than you know Thor. Like he and Thor are equal in the kingdom of Asgard, if you will. Yet there's only one of them that truly has that entitlement to the throne. And I think there's a lot of interesting parallels between their their interaction with one another and and ours as as believers in this world as well. And I really like that you brought up the fact that like, he's not only, he's not only adopted, but he really is at equal parts with Thor. Yeah. For the most part, like like thinking of it this way, I've always, I've always enjoyed in fiction and even history, like the character, the historical characters of advisors, mm. because advisors always are speaking to the King. They're always communicating to the King. And in some cases, heavily influencing the king and in this particular story loki plays a very um malevolent advisor (laughs) because what he's always looking out for is himself he's always seeking what is his best case it's almost like a secret equalness in the fact that like sure thor if he were to become king is the one who's going to make the decisions but his advisor is the one that multiple advisors most kings have multiple in mm-hmm. fact i believe in in proverbs it's encouraged like a king without advisors is just like not a king like yeah. just not making as many decisions as they as they appropriate decisions as they Why, should yeah. wise counsel read proverbs like i guess three weeks ago yeah wise counsel so i can't even pull the the, the verses out but um one of the many things that I wish I could do now tangents as I do is just to be able to draw verses out just like nobody's business. Like it's always a joy (laughs) to me to speak with someone who just has like the scripture written in such a direct way. I'm much more of a, yeah, there's concepts and ideas guy, but um, maybe that's just because I'm a movie dude. And I think about 
visuals, but <laughs> I think I found the scripture you're talking about. It's Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance that people fall, but in an abundance of counselors there is safety. Yeah, and like sometimes you just don't get all of the perspectives that you need on making a decision. I think one of the things I've uh, experienced leading this podcast, communicating with other podcasters, meeting with people in our Syndoc Facebook group and communicating is, is encouraging people to patiently listen to others before making a decision or even a declarative statement. In fact, something I often encourage against is declaring things as absolutes apart from, you know, Christ is King. I'm an, I'm a sinner and I need Christ. The Lord has chosen his people, things like that. Right. But beyond that, it's like, you really do need to step out and understand like, you know, there's, there's a lot more to a decision, but that's, that's a bit besides the point point being though, like, is this idea, like what you said is Loki's brought into the family and he's at basically equal footing as Thor and in a way, one of the things that's blown me away as a Christian and the more I learn about Christ as, as uh, who, who he is and what he is to us and what, what, what is imparted to us through Christ is that like we are co-heirs with him and yep. co-heirs get the same thing. Yep. And it almost sounds like you almost want to be careful when you start explaining like, what does that mean? Because <laughs> yeah. like you described it, like Christ is at the throne, but then it's like, what if we're co-heirs? Like, are we on the throne? It's like, no, but like we're, we're in command of angels now, but like, doesn't that sound like what a leader or king would do? And it's like, what? And it's just, <laughs> I think it's almost like there's always this like worry that like you start to head into heresy, like, no, yeah. I'm God. And of course not. No, I'm right. not. But there is this like amazement of like, that's the wealth that we get in Christ that he's, that he gives us is like, word. it's just crazy. And I think, um, I think thinking on those sort of things, like the fact that God, doesn't just invite us and adopt us into his family and say, you get the guest room. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. we're given the best room. It's not like we're adopted. And then we wait 400 years for him to tell us we were adopted. Like with Loki, we're like, <laughs> yeah, no surprises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, you just know right from the get go, like in Christ, I'm sanctified. I get everything that is going to be a part of the new kingdom. I get to see the Lord's face. Yeah. And I don't know, it's crazy. And I always think it's crazy too, when we're on this Syndoc podcast and we start drawing stuff like this and like <laughs> from like a movie, like Thor, <laughs> like the fact that my wife fell asleep should have been like significant enough for me to be like, this'll be nothing. And <laughs> I guess everybody <laughs> listening now is like, Oh, I'm being filled with the spirit now. So yeah. that's always fun. There you go. <laughs> hey, just watch it for the biblical aspects. Don't, don't pay attention to the storyline <laughs> yes. at all. You don't need to read scripture. Just watch Thor. Yeah, it's, it's totally there. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you know Thor is inspired? Yeah. Inspired <laughs> movies. New part of the canon. Oh. Uh, yeah. The canon's been reopened, boys. It's like the Disney vault. i need like an art i need like somebody to make artwork of like the disney vault and they just put like a cross on it and they're like the canon is reopened and you just see like all the books of the bible and thor drops out too oh oh Oh, no and then lightning strikes and (laughs) what what a terrible idea (laughs) i can see this going very badly (laughs) let's keep speaking about more heretical things i love it keep on it i i love just testing the waters a little bit I was I was thinking about, you know, one other theme that really kind of jumps out to me, because even in the end, right? Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil it because you said no spoilers. Um, uh, who cares at this point? The movie's nine uh, years old, and if you're this far, true. you heard the Loki stuff. We're good. Go ahead. That's true. So <laughs> at at the end, you know, you have Thor and Loki, and they're fighting, right? And he breaks off um, the end of the bridge so that it falls into space or whatever it goes from there. And um, Odin shows up and grabs them and they're basically hanging on. He's hanging on to Thor. Thor's hanging on to Loki. Even in that moment, after all that's been done, after all that's been unveiled, Thor and Odin are still reaching out and grasping for Loki. And they didn't let go of Loki. Loki let go of them. It's an interesting picture because I think of this prodigal son thing because if you've watched any of the other movies after this, you know that Loki makes multiple appearances and in various times 
you, you question his uh, morality. <laughs> and, and other times he surprises you. But I think about this prodigal son aspect, right, of, of the father with the two sons. And you've got the one that, that he just he turns his back on his family. He, he walks away. And yet he, when he returns, the father welcomes him back with open arms. And that happens. And, and, and even in the story of the prodigal son, the, the older brother is kind of frustrated with his younger brother, understandably so. And Thor is the same way with Loki. And, but at, at all times, you see this, this aspect of Thor, as a brother even, being willing to still reach out and accept Loki back, no matter what he's done. Right, And he still knows that he's not a blood brother, but he still treats him as though they are not separated by blood. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing that you see throughout all the all of the various movies, Thor movies and Avenger movies, of just that constant tension where you know that Loki still struggles with with that whole aspect of, of being a part of that family. Um, and yet Thor and Odin, they still constantly reach out and draw him back in. Considering this entire episode is comic book related, it makes me think of like Batman's whole thing where he's like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to keep giving you an opportunity to step away from the things that you're doing. Right. That's why Joker is still doing what he does because <laughs> Batman's like, I still believe that you can step away from these things that you're doing. Right. And what's crazy too is like, again, that really takes you back to like when you start to understand and learn more about Christ and what he's done, you realize like people are saved, not because they choose Christ. Right. People are saved because Christ first chooses and chases after them. Mm-hmm. It's only when you realize like somebody loves you despite the terrible things that you're doing <laughs> that you feel like yeah. you can actually go, wait, like they're enduring and caring and loving me so much. I want to love them back. I mean, uh, what's the thing that Christ says? And maybe you'll have this first pop up right away, too. But the a good man or a, a man die, seldom dies for someone they love uh, how much more than like a man who dies for like, you know, somebody who hates them kind of thing. Mm. I always butcher that every time. <laughs> One of the things I'm just like, I already said it like Bible memorization, just not my vibe. <laughs> but like if, if Odin and Thor just decided, okay, Loki's just bad <laughs> and right. just like backhanded him or like you said, just let go. Like Loki can't do anything. Nope. Maybe canonically he could because he's got magic, but narratively speaking, he just can't do anything. Like he's been rejected. There's no way he can come back. I mean, at what point could he be good enough for them to trust him if they weren't already extending the hand? This is why it's so important to also forgive people. Like for us to now go ahead and forgive people because if we're not if somebody wrongs you or me, mm-hmm. like it's very easy to be spiteful and angry and filled with hate about them. And arguably speaking, if somebody wrongs you, there's almost like a right to be that way. But in reality, no, because like you're just as bad, like, like let he without sin cast the first stone kind of thing. Yeah. But when you when you choose to be filled with spite and anger, the question can be posed like, well, when is enough enough? Like when is are they absolved from your quote unquote justice. Most people will say like never. And some people might give an answer and maybe they, this person goes ahead and fulfills whatever conditions that they need to meet. And you still will have this heated anger and and bitterness about it. You might be able to sit at the same table, but you can't go without having a passive remark. I mean, goodness gracious, my wife and I are watching (laughs) Gilmore Girls right now. And it's like every dinner scene is they're just like so passive aggressive (laughs) and it's equal parts entertaining and also just very sad. And very reminiscent of family times, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Throwback. Gosh, it's great to watch my own memories put on television, right? (laughs) But uh, just kidding. I have a very good relationship with my parents. Good dinner table. I mean, probably as bad, as healthy as a relationship as you can in a sinful world. (laughs) Yeah. Like you really do have to be the one to forgive somebody first for them to then almost feel safe enough to go, I can probably do the right thing. It is that dynamic. Like you see like these two people are holding him. And like, like you said, he's the one who just chooses. I'm just going to let go. Yeah. And you can see, you can see the struggle on their face with it. Cause you know, they're, they're trying to, in, in, even after that moment, there's a, a scene later after that, where he's talking with, 
I believe it's his mother, and he even brings it up then of of how he misses Loki. And it's it's like, how do you miss the guy that basically tried to usurp the throne from you and and try to have you banished to the other side of the galaxy? And blame everything <laughs> on you. <laughs> yeah. And now you're going, I miss that guy. You know? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So not only has Thor learned nothing, he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he still, still keeps stepping in it. I don't understand. <laughs> movies yeah, and movies right. later, he still keeps stepping in it. And I know we're not talking about those other movies, but you do see that eventually play out where that constant reaching out to Loki pays off. And we're not talking about those movies in this particular instance, but there is a you know one of the movies later down the trail where you do see a side of Loki where he he legitimately thinks of somebody other than himself. And you're like, whoa, this is not the Loki we've come to know. <laughs> Which is probably why everybody really enjoys him. Like I I think the thing that had always been enjoyable about the MCU and like, man, just thinking back to just the experience of like phase one and then especially in phase two was even in their worst movies, most notably, most memorably seems to be Thor the Dark World. Although I think, I don't know, man, after Incredible Hulk, I'm like Thor the Dark World is like, citizen kane but (laughs) like people would always go well it's got at least it's got loki like loki has always just been like this not just like a great not just a great performance from tom hiddleston i think he's doing just a fantastic job but also as a character i think because there's always this question of like what is he thinking like if, if is what he's saying is true or not and then also the struggle because like we're talking about here like there is when he is in that scene of falling down, which I guess is falling into space. So theoretically it's not down, but whatever, man, Asgard breaks my brain every time they show it. Like where's the water going? I don't know. It's just falling. But like, is it in space? Yeah. Why not? But um, it, like on his face in that scene, when he, when they're all falling off the bridge and, and Odin can pick them up and like, you can tell there's a struggle of like Loki's basically like, yeah, but will you really forgive me? Yeah. But if I come back, are we going to be normal? Like mm-hmm. it's and I think there's people just connect with that because unlike all of the other unlike everybody in Thor, who sort of just is one note, Loki is the one character who sort of has an arc that I feel like is the most clear, is the most uh, agreeable because like. It's strange to say it out loud because I think people are always confronted with sin in in ways that are uncomfortable. But like Loki, I almost feel like is the character most people most people relate to. Oh, sure. Wanting to always look out for yourself, but putting on the face as though you care about others. Right. And especially in a world that especially in the Western world, I should say, that is very much capitalistic and American dreamy and stuff like that, where it's all about you can get to where you want to be in your dreams kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to prescribe to that worldview, you really have to prescribe to like everybody is just a stepping stone to get where I need to be. Right. And in Loki's case, like that, everything he does <laughs> is these people are stepping stones. I can put on a face that gets them to be chummy with me and comfy with right. me just so then I can stab him yeah. in the back. Yeah. And I think there's also an aspect of his constant battles with doubt, like not just doubt of others, but doubt of himself, you know? So I think people can relate to that because there, there, there is always that tension of doubt in our lives, you know, where you, where you're trying to come to terms with who you are in light of everything else and whether or not people will accept you for who you are and, and where you've come from kind of back to your question of where we've been and, and who we were, does that, can that, or should that have an impact on where we're going and how people receive us into the future? And, you know, and I think there is, there's hope in that we can be redeemed from those things. And I think that's where our hope comes in as Christians is, is that we can be redeemed from those things. We don't have to be known by the sins that, that we've committed. In fact, uh, Paul goes on to talk with, um, I believe it's in, in 1 Corinthians or Galatians. It's one of those two. Um, I don't can't remember right off, but he's talking, he lists off a bunch of sins, right? And he says, and such were some of you, not such are some of you. Yeah. You know, and, and so there is an aspect of redemption, like, you know, Loki, yeah, you were a liar, you were a cheat, you were a sneaky guy, but you don't have to be that anymore. <laughs> and in the case of Thor, 
like we we basically even though thor's is much more confused and muddled and just not nearly as good as an arc as loki's like they're parallels like they basically have the same story of like wanting the kingship being looking into their past and seeing their futures and like can we grow from this because like thor's entire arc uh which again just is not not as good and i don't think will ever be good until his third movie but (laughs) his entire arc is that like who i was which is arrogant which is pompous which is unkind yeah is keeping me from where i want to be and then in the case of uh, which are very real things and then in the case of loki I won't say that he deludes himself into thinking that what he wants can't happen because that would that almost invalidates his struggle. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that. Like Loki's worry about like I was adopted and also I was adopted from like the nation that we were at war with for thousands of years. Like that's you can't invalidate that. That's a big deal because that would be like, how do people culturally relate to him? Yeah. How does he culturally relate to other people? You can look up online, like really great testimonies from minorities, from black people, from Hispanics, who then will say like growing up here in the United States, like they had to reconcile what it means to be black, what it means to be Hispanic here in the United States. And me personally, just me being Caucasian, being a white guy, like I never had to really experience that. I didn't have to think, what does it mean to be white? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it means I like coffee. Lots of coffee. Lots and lots of <laughs> and coffee. And like country music. <laughs> but that's just what the internet tells me. Yeah. But um yeah, and so like in the case of Loki, like I won't I don't want to invalidate his worries of like you're you're telling me I'm adopted and I'm also from like a warring nation. <laughs> yeah. But in comparison, his things are vastly different because like he himself is still who he is. He's just having to now reconcile who he is in comparison to other people. Whereas in Thor's particular case, he isn't really reconciling who he is in comparison to other people. He's just reconciling the fact that he's like just a total jerk. (laughs) And powerless without his hammer. Yeah. Like he's just like, if I don't have power and be a jerk, then who am I? Whereas Loki's is like, you know what? I'm going to switch this. It's almost like Thor's is more childish and Loki's is like a genuine thing to be worried about. But also I'm not going to go ahead and now invalidate Thor's problem because it is very (laughs) hard to reinvent yourself when you're, when you're basically a jerk. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what it's like to be a jerk. Gosh, golly. Angry Christian. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Brad, I, I thought this was great. I thought we did a good job of um, extrapolating pretty much all you can from Thor. Yeah. We squeezed <laughs> and, uh, that lemon dry. Yeah, that's that. we've gotten all the juice we can get for a whiskey sour, and I think that's perfect because, man, I miss those. I miss the state stores are closed here, man. Uh, I can't go to – well, I guess maybe somebody listening doesn't know. Pennsylvania basically has prohibition liquor laws. And I have to go to a state store to buy liquor. So I haven't had any bourbon to just like take the ease off. Wow. Not South Carolina. We're in the Bible Belt, man. Although I bet everybody who's like those the like reformed bearded men who who love reading scripture to coffee or bourbon are like their hearts are breaking for me right now. Thank you. Please pray for me. I got to make it through this. Can I legally ship some to you? I don't know. Um. I would. Hey, I, I wonder. I don't even know if you can actually legally transfer alcohol across state line from Pennsylvania. But wow. Goodness, I don't even know. Mm. I whatever. It doesn't matter. Beers. I can still get beer. Yeah. But that has nothing to do no. with closing this episode out. Not at all. <laughs> that is entirely to do with the fact that we're not Baptists. That's right. Brad, thank you so much for the for, for coming on to the podcast. It's been a joy listening to your podcast. And why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where you're at? Yeah, so we are the Anger Christian Podcast, but oddly enough, you'll find us at eagerfortruth.com. Uh, we do have a link to our podcast there where you can go out and find our shows. Um, and we started a new one called the Angry Christian Blogcast, where we are actually audiofying, if you will, some of our blog articles that we have out there. So uh, you can find that there at Eager for Truth as well. Awesome. I'll have a link down there in the description as well for that yeah. so that any of you guys can check it out. And uh, Brad, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for being on. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Cinematic Doctrine, and thanks so much to Brad Bates of the Angry Christian Podcast for joining me on this episode. And don't forget to check out his podcast and join the fight to grow in the fruit of the spirit, as Brad and his crew deconstruct some difficult, 
cultural questions and wrestle with their anger to grow as Christians. Now, if you've seen Thor, what did you think of it? Is this film a pretty cool taste of what's to come in the cosmic canon of the MCU, or did this film put you to sleep like it did my wife? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below, or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down, so the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine also has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss in the podcast. You also gain access to this in Doc Pre-Show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits to supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. All this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.